Today's show is brought to you by Grammarly, an intelligent writing app. Download Grammarly's browser extension and create a free Grammarly account at www.getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 190th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in rainy Rip City, and I got my man. Sage chilling here in Beaverton, Oregon, and my goodness, this was an embarrassing start to this podcast. Uh, you know, I, I joined the uh, the squad cast room pretty early and just play video games and wait till Dustin joins, and I was just listening to the message by Nas and playing Tekken. And I saw him pop up. I was like, one second, I got to win this round. <laughs> and then I lost. And then I got it in the last. So feel good. Feel very good. Uh, but yeah, man, there's a lot to talk about this week, man. So what do you want to start off with talking about? There is. I was actually going to kick it to you. What do you want to ki- start start with? Um, I think the biggest news was that Kobe passed, and I think that it's a humongous tragedy. And if you have anything else you want to talk about in regards to Kobe. Yeah, you know, I think I was obviously in shock when I saw the notification pop up. Uh, It was just a regular Sunday morning for me. I think I was just getting done cleaning and checked my phone. And, you know, you're kind of uh, taken aback. Um, It's one of the most shocking, I think, celebrity passings that that I have witnessed in in my lifetime and you know you just kind of sit there and you're you're stunned for a bit trying to to process it and you know this is coming from someone who Kobe Bryant was my least favorite athlete of all time like he was the villain Um, I can only imagine how it feels like for others who grew up and he was their Michael Jordan maybe he was their Clyde Drexler um this is obviously, you know, a very difficult time for everyone. Uh, and, and I think that there's no right or wrong way to grieve or process this information. I, I think it's important to be empathetic for people who are experiencing this and, and taking it and taking it hard. I mean, if it meant a lot to that person, I just think it's important to to be empathetic. Like they're going through something, let them grieve how they want to grieve. Like like I said, there's just no right, wrong, or way to do that. Like for, you know, I really enjoyed the. I thought it was a nice tribute that each team that that played on on Sunday did the 24 second shot clock violation followed by the 8 second backcourt violation um you know even the the rose garden and the convention centers had purple and gold and you know i i didn't love it but i understood it and it was it was a nice little hat tip and uh i think for me i still have mixed emotions about the entire i guess the the enormity of the situation that was uh, for me, I was you know 18 years old, right when you know the allegations hit in Colorado. And whether you believe the the woman, whether you believe Kobe, it's it's just still something that's hard for me just to let go. Uh, I do wonder, and I was talking about this with my wife before we jumped on the podcast. I do wonder if his legacy would be viewed differently. Had this occurred more recently or even in the social media era? So when 2003 hit, um, it was really just message boards, sports talk on the radio and coverage on SportsCenter. And it just, it just feels a little weird to me that like when people talk about Kobe Bryant in the mainstream, it's kind of swept away. Um, and I'm not here claiming innocent or guilt, more stating the facts of it, something did happen. Only those two will know what it was. And for me, that that is hard to get past when it comes to, you know, I don't know, in dealing, in dealing with this is, is what I should say. Now, don't get me wrong. It was an absolute tragedy, just like all deaths and horrific accidents and incidents are. And it, it was made, I think, a million times worse than the fact that his daughter Gigi was there. I mean, I can only 
imagine what they were going through as well as the other seven passengers. And for Kobe, I, I will say I did appreciate how much he championed the woman's game. He was an ambassador, always pushing it forward, raising it up. Um, you could tell that Gigi was destined to one day go to college, hoop on a scholarship, be maybe the next Sabrina Ionescu, and probably mo- most likely go to the WNBA and continue to elevate the, the woman's sport. Um, a beloved father, um, you could always see on his social media posts. And, you know, that's really the, the extent that, that I knew Kobe Bryant. I've never, you know, spoken a word to him. It's mostly just about what he has portrayed to us through his methods of communication. And so all in all, it's just a tragic day, something that's very shocking. And, um, I think one that's difficult to process. And I think it's difficult to process. No matter where you fall on the spectrum, I think from a purely basketball perspective, he's, you know, one of the all time greats. Um, If you were to say he was transcendent, I would not argue with you on that. Uh, I think his competitive drive on the court is second to none. And as a Blazer fan, no lead ever felt safe when number eight or 24 was on the opposite side of the floor playing against your squad. I mean, I had seen multiple comebacks that that he had against my squad. Um, you know, those were some spirited rival rival games, you know, especially when it was our teams with Brandon and LaMarcus going against Kobe. Um, you know, even Dame going back and forth with Kobe Bryant. Yeah, th- that first season, I mean, he gave it to him on Halloween in his first game ever. And then they had a duel where I think they each had like 40 points or, or something. And then, you know, Kobe paid his respects um, on Twitter after that saying, you know, this kid is something special. And so it's also interesting to look at it through the lens of this generation's NBA players. Like, like for me, it, it was Michael and Clyde. Those are the players that I grew up with. You know, a lot of the players now, it was Kobe Bryant and it will be LeBron, but for, for really a lot of them, it was Kobe. And so they lost someone that they looked up to, um, on the basketball floor. And it was, a. Uh, it just came so so sudden, so out of the blue, and you can understand why everyone is is really kind of just taken aback. But I do think something positive that has come from this is it's just another reminder that you can't take life for granted, that if you have loved ones, hold them tight, tell them that you love them, don't take those moments with them for granted, and there's just no reason to, to really beef or to, to start something with, with another person. Like it, it's just not, it's not worth it. You know, I've seen so many LeBron and Kobe fans online being like, this was, why are we arguing about this meaningless, you know, meaningless subjective argument that, that there's no answer to factually. And, you know, there's the whole meet me in Temecula that happened on Twitter because somebody was talking shit about Kobe and the Kobe fan was, you know, took it really personally like, if that would have happened, somebody could have lost their lives over over an internet argument over a player. And so, with this happening, I have seen a lot of people being like, damn, that, that was so stupid. Like, what are we doing? You even saw Kendrick Perkins on Twitter publicly apologize to Kevin Durant because both of them had a public beef on on social and on ESPN's The Jump. And so, if if it's one you know, silver lining to look at. And obviously that's really a hard thing to say, given that nine people lost their lives. I I would say it is that hopefully it's another reminder because it does happen. Sage death happens every day. Death is all around us. And, but this was something that was a public death and a person that impacted a lot of people. And if, if that, you know, it's just another reminder that just, just life, life is short. Live it to the fullest. Don't take anything for granted and, and make sure that your loved ones know how much you care for them because, you know, we're, we're always on borrowed time, Sage. So do you want to know my second thought? So I, I, uh, when I saw it, I said, I liked Kobe. I wasn't, I know Blazer fans, longtime Blazer fans have a lot of, he was a villain. I didn't really have that. So I was just like, I liked him. So I said, rest in peace. And like, I talked, like if someone, a Laker fan wanted to talk to me, I was there to like, you know, help them mourn. But the degenerate in me was like, let me check FanDuel. 
there isn't a lot of people playing today because they're sad about Kobe. And I entered more than I normally do because of the edge. So, like, but it's how we mourn. And, you know, if someone, uh, like, I, I have, I, I was getting into arguments with Laker fans because of the Anthony Davis thing last year. And, like, those same people talked to me today about, you know, how great Kobe was and how he was, like, the mentor that they never had. So, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you mourn if you really cared about this man i i didn't have that i thought he was a fantastic player but yeah it's just it it, it's a it's a tragedy and so unfortunate but uh we had some really good blazers basketball and happy lunar new year to you happy lunar new year to you sir as well and on lunar new years our own damian lillard was named western conference player of the week for an unreal three-game stretch that has it's unparalleled in trailblazers basketball history damian lillard over his last three games you go back to one week ago today on on mlk goes for an mlk record and personal record and franchise record 61 points 17 of 37 from the field 11 of 20 from three seven dimes 10 boards follows that up against the Dallas Mavericks, another nationally televised contest. 47 points, 16 of 28 from the field, 8 of 15 from 3, 8 dimes, 6 boards, and then just a vintage Dame performance against a playoff team in the Indiana Pacers. Goes for a 50-piece. That is his ninth 50-point game in franchise history. I believe he is now top 10 all-time in the NBA in amount of 50-point games. And he does that on 14 of 23 shooting, 8 of 12. I can't stress this enough. 8 of 12 from downtown with multiple pacers draped on him from extended range. 13 assists, Sage, and 6 rebounds. Um, This man is, I think he's a bonafide superstar in the league. I think he is a unquestioned top 5 to 7 player in the league. And... After witnessing what I witnessed on Thursday, I had, thankfully I did have tickets to Thursday and I bought tickets for Indiana's game. I was driving home with Olga and I was like, I am finally, finally on the do whatever it takes to get Dame help now bandwagon. Before I kind of wanted to hang on to maybe some of our young pieces and, and maybe play a little bit of the long game, but just with Nurk's injury history and you never know what could happen with anybody else. Um, the league to me is still open. His level of play has showed me, and not that it didn't before, but like this is a new level that he's really risen to. That going now is probably our best chance at winning a championship. I mean, you look what the Lakers did, they went all in. They they felt they had a strong enough piece in LeBron James, and they went all in to get Anthony Davis. Now, I'm not saying Anthony Davis or an Anthony Davis type player is even available right now, but if that does happen to be the case. I don't think there should be any more hesitation and that it's not a knock on Portland's young pieces. It's not a knock on the overall current roster, but this man is 29 years old. We we don't know how many more years of this elite level that we have. I mean, it only makes sense to go all in now. If you suck for four or five years after, you know, Dame retires, I think you're okay with that if you knew you gave it your all with potentially the greatest player in franchise history on your roster. So dribble pass shoot, was this the best week Damian Lillard's ever had? I, I shoot that and I say it's the best week any Trailblazer has ever had. Does the two games without CJ McCollum, do you think he would have had those stats if CJ was on the court? You know, it's it's hard to say. On one hand, if you would have asked me before the Indiana game, I probably would have said no. I mean, if you look at the the Dallas game, he didn't come out in the in the second half. I mean, he would have with CJ. He would have with CJ. Mm. Probably he would have gotten a little bit more rest against Golden State either. But then you look at the Indiana game, like CJ. If I'm looking at the uh, box score correctly, he had a 30 plus piece game too, and it was super quiet. Mm-hmm. It was a quiet 30. Yeah, which CJ is had amazing. 28 oh. on 11 of 21 shooting, and, and it felt super quiet, but it was so effective. And I think 
what the the first of all the offense looked probably the best it has all year. The ball movement was incredible. It looked like Hassan and the rest of the squad have finally figured out how to run a pick and roll. The amount of hockey assists I saw was a sign of beauty. I mean, two plays that stand out are both happened I think in the third quarter. Hassan goes to set a, a pick and roll. He rolls, but instead of passing it to Hassan, Dame swings it over to Mello, and Mello hits Hassan running down the, the 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 free throw line, the paint, and he just cups the ball and just windmills that bad boy home. And then a couple of plays earlier, again, Dame cuts to the basket. Obviously, he's on pace to get 50, so the defense collapses on him. He's open in the paint, behind the back bounce pass to Hassan for the dunk. Um, it was just some ball movement and some actual player movement that has been uh, lacking from this team. But I think Damian Lillard set the onus early. He was aggressive, but there were also times when I thought he passed up shots to get teammates shots as well. And so he basically, I think played a perfect game, a perfect stretch of, of three games for the Blazers. And obviously they didn't get it done against Dallas, but I think they were just undermanned, to be quite honest, especially with, with CJ not there for that contest as well. That and, Yeah, and again, you're bringing in Trevor Ariza, so you're starting, what, your 10th different starting lineup. You're having to rework him into the rotation. Uh, a player who was not getting any run at all, Caleb Swanigan, is now our backup center. Uh, so there's just a lot of moving pieces for this Portland team, but Damian Lillard was able to put together a magical week. All in all, Portland goes two and one. Uh, they won an overtime thriller against the Warriors, a 129, 129-124. They lost a, a tough contest against Dallas, a 125-133. And then they handled biz against the Indiana Pacers, 139-129. Again, the defense wasn't what you want, but given the current makeup of this roster, it's going to have to be what it is. And they're probably going to have to outscore opponents if they're going to win until they get Nurk and Zach Collins back. But Sage, when you were in the building for Monday's game, I mean, what was it? What was it like? Because watching on TV, it was just so use i mean all of the close-ups you could see the laser focus in dame's eyes you could tell that he was literally just pushing his he willing his team to victory like he wanted it that much more could you feel that in the arena whenever he shot like i mean it just it had to feel palpable so for me i went with someone who isn't the biggest basketball fan i had to explain like what the difference between a shooting foul and a uh a ball out out of bounds foul. So I had to explain a lot of stuff like, but then me explaining the stuff made me pay a, a lot of attention to what was happening. And like golden state was trying a lot to stop him. They went from boxing one to two, three zone to three, two zone to man. Like they tried all of these stops to stop him, bro. They were picking him up at half. Oh yeah. And in, into the backcourt. Yeah. I was like explaining to her like, all right, see, that person's never going to leave his side and they're going to try and trap as soon as he crosses this line. So it's just like being able to like really break shit down for, for her was made me pay a lot more attention than let's say if I went to the game with you where we're just studying the game, like I had actually verbalized what was happening. So like every, like when he was shooting and I was just like, God damn, this is, he's got like 29 right now. He's killing it. And then, you saw like Dane carried, but I want to give props to every player that actually played real minutes. They all, everyone got double digits. So like, yeah, Dame had an extra special game, but it wasn't like they were just bumming around and watching him do his thing. Like they were working pretty, pretty damn hard trying to, to produce in whatever they can. But I like when uh Damian Lee hit that awful corner three, with like 23 seconds left on the clock, I was like, oh shit, this is over. And because Golden State was going through that that little late game run, I was like, oh, this is over. And then Dame just made me eat my words really bad. Like that, that performance was amazing. Really? So, wait, really? You So, watching from, from afar, I guess, on the television, like, 
I saw a player that was literally trying to do everything he could in his power. To me, I, I think if there is more of a of like a singular win for a player that won them, the, I, I think this was it. Uh, I, like you said, I credit everyone who who played because I believe we had five players play over forty minutes, which is which is nuts. But he didn't get much help. Oh, no, um, I mean, we wanted just though. looking at just looking at Anthony Simons, one of nine from three. Gary Trent went one of ten from three. Uh, but they both got me, this over was, double digits, right? Yeah, Anthony had fifteen points on five of sixteen shooting. Gary had eleven points on four of fourteen shooting. Mello had seven of fourteen shooting. Uh, did give you fourteen and nine. Hassan had seventeen and twenty one. Honestly. To me, that that Dame performance. Oh, it, because it was it was a magical performance. But I saw on Twitter like these guys suck. I was like, I mean, they eh. were airballing threes, right? Like when it was in the clo- closing. But minutes, you, like you, you can't just say this guy had a shitty performance because he shot poorly. Like I saw Anthony like call out two threes and point at where you needed to go on the court, and I was afforded that because I was actually there and saw like the communication. Yeah, like they were really inefficient, but I don't think they were trash because I saw the effort. And Forty fucking minutes of basketball. Well, there there was crazy. effort there. There's no debating the effort. And I'm not saying they're trash. I was just saying like it's more to to Dame's brilliance because it, I guess if Dame doesn't have a career night, we we lose to the worst team in the Western Conference. I guess that's just my point. But the, shit, Alec Burks had his career game too, like a very ceiling game. Uh, Damian Lee sh- shot like shit, but he hit some clutch buckets. Like, I, yes, Damian had a very fantastic top performance game ever, but I felt like Hassan con- contributed, Melo contributed, but he was a ball hog. Gary Trent played pretty damn good defense. Simons played good defense. They they shot shitty, but I didn't think there was like. I try not to look at shooting as the only good game versus bad game thing. No, I don't think it's a, the only differentiator. I, it was just more frustrating from my perspective when you see this guy hitting crazy shots. I mean, just in, in his face, like on the close-ups, you could tell like this season has gut-riched him. Like he wants this victory and they're double, triple teaming him and he's finding open shooters and, and they, they, yeah, they just can't get him any help. Um, that's, that's I mean and it, it happens but thankfully Dame had his best game ever um but to your point about about Trevor Ariza um so far I I have liked what what I have what I've saw from him obviously it's only been two games he came into the Dallas game as a starter played 36 minutes uh 21 and seven hit absolutely hit four of six from downtown which is what you want to see. Um, got good looks too, and and the defensive effort I think will stay. But it's just about the usage, the qual, like the 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 mass amount of shots. Because I don't think he gets it if CJ is healthy and Melo needs his and Hassan needs his. I think he just took advantage of the situation where we needed him to be efficient shooting, and he did it. The thing I like, and I, I hate to do this because it's. It's not a direct comparison, but since we did trade Bazemore for Trevor and Trevor is now starting where Bazemore was, what I have noticed is Trevor plays more within himself. Bazemore, Bazemore would try to do too much, and we've discussed this ad nauseum on the podcast of when he succeeds versus when he doesn't is when he tries to do too much and play out of his position. Trevor does a really good job of moving the basketball when it's not there, taking the open shot when it is there. And to be fair, he is a small forward. Kent Bazemore is a shooting guard. Bazemore was playing out of position, but I don't think anybody's going to argue with you that Trevor Reza is a better basketball player. For us, absolutely. Um, I mean, Ariza just knows what he is. Like, I think the I think Terry and whomever kind of gassed Bays into thinking that he could do. It, it was someone's age because I have never seen Kent Bazemore play like that before. And I, I have watched him from afar and he was on our list of players to bring in. And I was really excited about the acquisition. 
And you're right. I think somebody maybe gassed him up, which is like, hey, just just you're go. the vet. You're the vet yeah. on this 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 team. So. Just just go wild and, and you know, he was you. a chucker, but like he didn't have the ball a lot. So it every time he did touch it, it felt like he chucked at a ridiculous rate. Ariza, you know, he's he's played like this since fucking oh nine. Like I remember watching him play like this when he was on the hornets at the time and like me thinking okay this is guy's good but he's not going to be the greatest well we don't need him to be great we just need him to be confident and he was and is i just think that we saw the trevor ariza game and don't expect him to have that when we're as healthy as we can be i still think he's capable of putting up 20 especially if cj is healthy and you've got dame and cj cooking because realistically what is it? What? Yeah, yeah. What is the defense going to do? Are you going to if Dame goes to the basket? Are you going to leave Trevor? Or are you going to let him go one on one? Dame's at that level now where the players around him are going to continue to elevate their their stats because of the looks that he's getting. And I've noticed a real effort on Dame's part this year to distribute, and he's having a career year in terms of assists. So. Dame we need someone to, to pass on this team. Yeah, Dame <laughs> continues to improve and push his ceiling higher than anyone imagined when we drafted him eight years ago. Uh, to me, I I do think the Ariza move is it, it's low risk, um, given the fact that he will at minimum eat one point eight million into our salary next season. But you know, if it doesn't work out then we don't have to bring him back. If it does, then you're sitting on another $12 million contract. Um, To me, still, the biggest question mark with this team is what are they going to be this year? I I think we know what they're going to be next year in terms of the starting five. And I think that's that's a question as well. But what is the direction they are going to go? Because you're looking at a team that is 20 and 27, they are three games back of the Memphis Grizzlies in the loss column. I don't think it's realistic for them to catch the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are eight games ahead of them in the loss column. And you have a team that is just going through an absolute brutal stretch of basketball before it lightens up in, I would say, the middle of March. And by that time, you should have Zach, you should have Nurk. Who knows where they're going to be in their progression? But the biggest question is Hassan Whiteside. What are they going to do? Um, The trade deadline is 10 days away. It is next Thursday. That is the million-dollar question. I think that will really determine what the Blazers are going to do this year and what they're going to do next year. Because like we've said, if you keep Hassan Whiteside this year, you're keeping him to be the starter for the remainder of the season. I don't think it's fair to bring Nurkic back and expect him to be a starter and play heavy minutes. He needs to just get his his feet back underneath him. My thoughts on that are if you keep Hassan Whiteside, you you probably have plans to re-sign him. Like sign in trades in today's CBA just don't really work that way. It's extremely tough, and to be honest, they're extremely rare. So if you don't trade Hassan at the deadline, your intent should be to keep him at a reasonable salary. And this should be discussed beforehand and say, okay, this is going to be our our big rotation. We got Zach, we got Hassan, and we got Nurk. Now, if the team moves him, that discussion probably hasn't been had. That discussion maybe didn't go well, or maybe they just don't feel like Hassan and Nurk can coexist as centers when they both feel like they should be starting and probably rightfully so. So that, to me, is going to determine th- this season. Um, and if you do move us on, wh- what are you moving him for? Like To me, what we should do is improve the team around Damian Lillard. Um, I'm starting to get a hunch that they keep us on and that they are going to bring him back. Again, he's doing a lot of renovation on his house if you watch his Instagram stories. And to me, that that's not usually a sign of a player who feels like he's being moved. Like if you're on the hot seat, you wouldn't add value to your house by doing construction and doing things that you would like into your in your house. That like I feel like he he got a a, a word from Neil O'Shea and saying we're not going to trade you. You can make Portland your home for the near future. Type of type of move. I think that's where we're at with Hassan right now. But again, it'll be it'll be a waiting period. And we've got 10 days to wait until we do so. But 
say to me, this has been, uh, I would say, probably since January, even beforehand with all of the injuries. I mean, the season has been a roller coaster, but in terms of my emotions watching this team, they, they've really been an uptick in, in the swings. And I'm not talking about anger as an emotion and more towards excitement what result you feel is better for the franchise, whether it's winning or whether it's losing. You know, for me, it really started, I think, December 30th. This is when I really started to experience this Rip City roller coaster is when we blew, I think, a 19 point, 13 and 19 point lead against the Suns at home and lost. Follow that up with a New Year's Day performance where we looked abysmal. We lost by 24 points against the the hapless New York Knicks and you know then it's like okay you're tuning in because you like basketball but you're not really watching for a win and a loss are you watching for development are you watching for Dame's greatness I mean you're probably just watching because you're a fan and that's what I was doing and it became less about the win and the loss and then there's games against the Raptors where it took a Carmelo buzzer beater in a fourth quarter rally to be the team that was more banged up than we were and you know I wasn't finding myself overjoyed with that victory and it happened again against Charlotte it took Anthony Tolliver going nuts in that fourth quarter to beat a really bad Charlotte Hornet team at home and then you go into Houston and you obviously regardless of your status of draft lottery or playoffs you want to kick the Rockets ass I mean that's Russell that's James Harden that's that style of play that I that's just Eric like. Gordon that for you that's EG <laughs> and it was great to shut them up and then we go into Dallas and we play them tough, but then CJ gets hurt. And they're like, oh shit, here we go again. And you know, Oklahoma City, okay. And then the loss is probably good for us. And he's like, okay, my back to, you know, hoping for ping pong balls. And then there's the Golden State Warrior game. And this was kind of like another, a new turning point. Like you watch it and you're like, okay, I'm hoping we win. Uh, it's a nationally televised game. And then, and then Dame starts to pick it up and pick it up and pick it up. And then, but you're like, shit, we can't even beat the Warriors. They're the worst team in the league. Like, would a loss be good for us? And then just seeing, and this is why I mentioned it early in the podcast, seeing Dame's focus and seeing how much that game meant to him, I was like, yeah, you just need to win it for Dame. Like, like fuck what I want in terms of, you know, a draft pick or, or the playoffs. Like, win for Dame. Like, he deserves it. So I was so overjoyed. I was overjoyed that we beat the shitty Golden State Warriors in overtime. By oh, that points. shit was awesome. That was it so was amazing. And awesome. he, you know, he set a franchise record. And then I go into the Dallas game. Okay, let, let's kick their ass. It didn't happen, but okay, that was still we still competed a fun game. though, and it was and fun. And then you go into Indiana, you know, start to finish. Let's kick their ass. And so that's where I'm at right now. You know, if we win, great. If we lose, whatever. Like I, I'm still not in love with the idea of making that that eighth seed, but you know, it's out of my control. And so I'm just trying to tune in and enjoy Dame's greatness and enjoy the development. And it's. It's nice when when they're able to put put together games like that because injured or not, they, they are very talented and, and they're capable of of playing good Blazer basketball. And of course, I don't think you can expect Dame to have weeks where he averages fifty two point seven points, seven point three boards. And I love 9. the peripheral stats. I love the peripheral stats. That shit gets me going. Uh, he had ninety point fantasy points on that Warriors game, and I had so much Damian Lillard. I was so happy. <laughs> Oh man, but like the I honestly would like to credit Ariza with some of the uh playmaking because with Kent Bazemore, th- we were playing four four and a, four and a half on five a lot of the time offensively. You can't really do that with Trevor Ariza because he's a known three point shooter. So there was more room for Dame to penetrate. There was more room for Hassan to ha- rim run and have nobody chipping him as he rim runs. Like I. And then that spacing helps Dame pass it to open shooters instead of like the basic Hassan sets a pick and gets the ball in the roll. He passed it to Melo because there's spacing that like teams don't can't cheat. So like that that move, especially for spacing, and I think I said it that podcast, like this is good for spacing. This is good for what Dame and CJ and Hassan and Melo need. Uh Caleb Swanigan. I was not a fan of him the, the, the first time, but he was he's doing a good job as the the backup center. And he even played a little bit of uh, time with Hassan, which I don't think is that good. But 
He's Caleb been is doing the best that he can, and you can tell he's busting his ass. I mean, it's it was unfair to put him in the position to guard the Dallas Bigs on the perimeter. He just doesn't have the he foot, doesn't speed. Have foot speed. Yeah. And we, we said that when he he was drafted. I mean, that that's never going away. But he still has the ability to make a great pass. He made two fantastic passes in that first half of the Dallas game. He is rebounding his ass off. He he is in there. He's he's a he's a big body to to really supplement Hassan. And like I said, the effort is just there. And I I wouldn't say the effort necessarily went away in Portland. It just, he kind of got beat out for playing time and we eventually moved him for, for Scal. But it's great to see a player who wasn't getting any run with a previous team come in and he was ready to go. He knew, okay, I got to come in. These guys need me and I'm going to bust my ass. And you can tell he really is going that extra mile. Uh, He's, he is he's he's doing all that he can within his physical abilities to to play that defense to rebound the basketball and I, I've been impressed with with what I expected you know he he's exceeded my expectations and you know I don't think he's a long term solution but for for right now he's doing I'm his okay fine. absolutely how different is he than Boban Bobby like they are gonna play limited minutes. You can't put them against any athletes, but they're pretty damn good offensively and will try hard. Like, is he that much different than Bobby or that type of center? It's just different because Bobby's height, height. is something that no player can replicate. Replicate. I guess that's a bad player. one, but like limited minute center that's a, a specialist at what he does. I think he's a he's a, the equivalent of a guy. So if you look at a guy like Brandon Bass back in the day, My I don't guy. know if he if he could have played in this era trying to guard quicker fours or fives. He kind of reminds me of that. Like yeah. he he gets the job done, but he's a matchup specialist. I don't think you want to play him consistent minutes. Put him in where he needs to be. Um, He'd be great and, against Andre Drummond, Dwight Howard, yeah. that type of stuff. But suck like, against he, he Rudy Gobert. Of, yeah, it reminds me of guys like Dewan Blair. Um, just players of kind of a 10 years ago era where they totally fit, but they probably don't now. And then uh, Wayan is definitely that that man of mystery because we, we haven't seen him. But I really like what that trade has given us as far as usable minutes. I, I, I think that there needs to be a rule that Hassan and Caleb can't play together, though, because goddamn, there was a fight for fucking the center, the, the, the paint. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, like we were pretty negative about the trade or me- very meh about the trade. But how are you feeling about the trade with this very, very, very small sample size? I think I gave it a C, C or a C plus. Um, I'll give it a B minus again. It's been two games. We don't. We still don't know what we're gonna get from from Ariza long term. I do think he is better insurance for Rodney Hood than than a Kent Bazemore was. You know, free agency in the Blazers have never been been a mix. So the one point eight million hit isn't as as bad as. Maybe you make it out to be. I think just because the trade came from out of left field, maybe we expect a little bit more. And Ariza, Ariza is a yeah, and Ariza is an older player. So you again, you don't know what he's got left in the tank. Um, but you don't. I mean, we're not expecting Ariza to be part of the core in three years. Like he's gonna play his contract, and we're gonna salute him for his hard work. And then, I mean, no, yeah. but I'm not even worried about. Th- I'm worried about next year. Next year to me, it's go time. Like that. That's what I was. Would talking you be about cool later. with? Ariza, this Ariza, this version of Ariza being your small forward because you need a low usage guy who can hit threes and defend. I would see obviously Rodney's my my small forward moving forward, but you don't. He, you, but there's a question mark about his ready. There is, there is. Um, I I, I want to see a bigger sample size of Ariza. Like I said, I've been pleasantly surprised to date. However, I don't know what small forwards are going to be on the market or if Trevor could be traded for um, another asset. You know, we do have young players. We do have a first round pick. We could package to get somebody who's a, an even better fit. Like for right now, it, it would, I would say it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And it, that sentiment is, is trending upward. I mm. liked what I've seen through two games, but again, small sample size, the competition's only going to get tougher. 
You know, I want to see how, you know, I'm not expecting him specifically to translate losses or transfer losses into wins. Like that's way no, too no, much no. to expect. But, you know, if we're playing uh, the Lakers or, or the Clippers or the Jazz coming up, like, are those games closer? Are they more competitive than, than they were early on in the season? Oh, shit. What did you think about Demonis? To be completely honest, I didn't really pay attention to the Indiana Pacers too much. Uh, there was a lot going on yesterday. Um and so, you know, I've, I've, I, again, as I expressed, I was, you know, trying to go through all of my emotions and how I was, was reacting to everything and, and really just watching Dame and watching the team move the ball, CJ's uh, first game back, and just everything was to me Blazers focused. I didn't really have an opportunity to process anything I saw for, from Indiana's perspective. I, I believe he had a triple double. I mean, he had cra- he had crazy stats, but to me, that was just like, Shit, did shit. Dame had 17 points in the first like eight minutes. Yeah, that and I was like, that was my entire focus. Was like, okay, the Blazers got the lead. Let's just keep this. I I, I fuck with Demonis, man. I really fuck with Demonis Sabonis. He kind of reminds me of like a power forward version of Nurk. Just like a Euro banger that gets his gets rebounds, points, and doesn't have bad games. Absolutely. I mean, he's I mean you can't, you can't, you can't be average and get, and, and get those numbers. Like he's, his, his stock is rising very high. Um, I, I have a feeling it's good basketball genes too, for some reason. I, oh, I, 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 I don't know who, who, I don't know who his pop was, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> All right, Sage, let's take a quick commercial break and then let's get back into this podcast where we will discuss the upcoming slate of games for this week. For you, the listeners of Holy Backboard, Grammarly is offering a free download of the Grammarly software. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com forward slash holybackboard. Again, that's getgrammarly.com forward slash holy backboard to download Grammarly for free. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, we did not preview the Indiana game. That was a Sunday game. Those are always a little bit tricky for us to, to preview. But I did text you with about eight minutes left in the first quarter what your prediction was. We both said win. So by virtue of that and the Blazers victory, we both went 3-0 last week. Would you have gone Blazers victory if Roggy Pants and uh, Miles Turner were healthy? Yeah, probably. I wouldn't have. I you get because because we didn't do it. I had a chance to look at what the injuries was because if Brogdon didn't have a concussion, some shit's gonna change because he is much better than fucking uh, uh, Aaron Holiday and shit the white guy. TJ McConnell. Yeah. He is, but nobody was stopping Dame no, from no. getting his. No, no, no. So, I mean, that's why I'm just like, Dame is in a zone right now. Um, yeah. Kind of figured figured we would get CJ back, and we did. And, you know, just the way we played uh, against Dallas, I just had a good yeah. had a good feeling about this when you're getting another game of Trevor Ariza under under the belt. So, we both Well, I know it was a rival. It was a, it was a remember me game for Trevor Ariza, I think, because he's played on damn near all the teams. <laughs> so I went three and zero. You went three and zero. I am now above five hundred for probably the first time all season. Thank you, thank you. Uh, twenty four and twenty three on the year. You are twenty nine and eighteen. Still five games ahead of me. Maybe we will defer on these three games upcoming so we can get some sort of separation one way or the other. Uh, upcoming, we have the Houston Rockets, a team that is been in a bit of disarray. They are four and six in their last ten games. Uh, sitting in sixth place in the Western Conference at 28 and 17, and just uh, pedestrian 13 and 10 away from Houston. This is a team, Sage, that the Blazers handled quite easily just um, just two weeks ago in Houston, 117, 107. Uh, they played that fantastic 
double team defense on James Harden and begged everybody else to beat them. This will be Russell Westbrook's first game back in Portland since that series last year. We already know the Blazer fans don't like James Harden. Uh, this is going to be an exciting one. I'm really looking forward to it. I think we're going to use the same strategies we did of, you know, James, you ain't going to beat us. And I mean, uh, if, if, Russ, yeah, if, if the shoe fits, you got to wear it. Yeah, I mean, we found the, we got the blueprint, right? Like it, that this team is very fast paced, but if you can kind of in- disincentivate, wow, that's not a word. If you can make James Harden not motivated, <laughs> it, it becomes a lot easier. And Russell Westbrook, you know, is going to be willing to take those shots against this team. They kind they ruined everything that he built in Oklahoma City, so he'd be probably mo- more motivated than James Harden. So if we send that quick double and he'll pass it to Russ, like Russ is probably going to get a triple double in thirty points but it's not going to be enough to beat us. Like, I think the key is Russell Westbrook in his field goal attempts. I think you want those north of 25. You want the ball in his hands and out of James Harden's hands. You want him trying to match Dame shot for shot. Uh, I think that's the way to beat this team. I believe they are also dealing with some injuries. Yeah, at James the is out. Um, Capella is out yep. as well. So this will be a a big game for the Blazers if they really are serious about making this push because this the stretch gets absolutely brutal through the month of February and they're going to have to start taking care of business at home. Sage, who's your X factor and what do you have winning this? Who do you have winning this game? Excuse me. I'm going to say the center matchup between Clint, Clint, wow, Clint Capella and uh, Hassan Whiteside. I think whoever wins that is going to have a very big uh, advantage in the game because you you know Dame and Russ are going to have theirs, and if we do the same strat, James is going to have less shots, less free throws, which is uber important to keep them off the line. I really want to see what the what the center matchup is going to be because rebounding is going to be so important, and uh, yeah, like I think the big three are the guards and then the center matchup. Yeah. For, so who do you have winning Sage? I have us winning. Okay. So for me, I think the X factor is going to be Trevor Reese's defense on James Harden. And he gives us more length than Bazemore did. I still expect the Blazers to come out with that same strategy. I think three point shooting is going to decide the game. Can the Blazers get other Rockets not named James Harden shooting threes. And if they're making them, you're not going to win the game. But if they even shoot average or below average, you have have yourself a chance. And to me on the the offensive side, you know, I'm going to ride the hot hand. Dame's going to be my X factor in terms of just how we can get this done. I don't think he's ready to, to stop the hot streak just yet. Uh, you know he's going to want to continue it, especially with Russell Westbrook. Uh, they really don't have any defenders that can can stick with him or even really give him much difficulty. P.J. Tucker may be that lone guy, but then they're going to give up a lot of size and we can go inside to Carmelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Blazers' victory too. This um, was your chance. This was my chance, but I'm not going to. I it just It just doesn't feel right to pick the Houston Rockets. I mean – Really, fuck that team. I mean, that's just that's just it. So we both have a, a Blazer victory. And then, Sage, we play the Los Angeles Lakers for the only time this year in Los Angeles. The Lakers requested that their Tuesday game against the Clippers would be postponed. Uh, they are still grieving over the loss of Kobe Bryant and just happens to be the way the schedule landed that their next opponent would be the Portland Trailblazers on Friday. I believe that's an ESPN game. I wouldn't be surprised if it even got moved to ABC. So it will be the first game in Los Angeles since the the tragic passing uh, of Kobe. Emotions are going to be through the roof. Um, But I would say this might actually play in Portland's favor. I know a lot of people are saying, oh, we're just going to get, you know, shellacked now. But like when you put a lot of emotions or even – you get overly emotional and that's not, that's, that's not a negative. I just, you know, we, we've seen 
players, a lot of emotions get the best of them for a multitude of reasons. But yeah, there is, I mean, getting overly emotional is an actual thing that happens. And I think if Portland is able to, to focus, that could give them an advantage because they've already played a game since the passing. There is a chance they could get caught up in it as well. And it, it could be a sloppy game. It could be one for the ages. This to me is such a, a toss up and you factor in that it is one of the most difficult matchups for us. Um, man, I don't even know. Yeah. And I mean, shit like LA is a good defensive team. I think Dame is going to go ape shit against them because it's in LA. Dame always plays the Lakers well too. And it's like, yo, you saw the Kobe Bryant commercials where Dame and DeMar DeRozan were involved. It's obvious that Kobe was a role model and to, to Dame. So I, I have a feeling that Dame's going to go crazy. And I think LeBron probably will as well. It's just such a fucking bad matchup for us. Cause we just don't have good bigs, man. JaVale's been sick, but like they still have Dwight. They have so many seven footers. It's just a bad matchup for us. But I think Dame goes absolutely crazy. To me, this is no different than the first two times we've met them. We have no answer for Anthony Davis when Nurk and Zach Collins are on the sidelines. That's the X factor. That is the matchup right there. I don't think Portland can overcome that. I do think Dame goes bananas, has a huge night, but we're probably going to get destroyed on the glass and in the paint. And um, height is a uh, fucking advantage. And yeah, I think the Lakers uh, take this one and unfortunately get the sweep over the Blazers this year. What do you say? Oh, Lakers win. You're not going to get any edge on me. And so the Blazers finish up the week with a, just a supremely difficult back-to-back against arguably the hottest team in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz. They have won four straight, nine of their last 10. They're sitting at 32-13 and 13 in the Western Conference. Good enough for second place. But again, they have been a home dominant team. They're 18 and three in Salt Lake City, just 14 and 10 away from the friendly confines of what was the Delta Center. Mike Conley is working his way back, still not in the starting lineup, I believe. Um, this is going to be a, a very difficult matchup for, mm-hmm. for the Blazers stage. Yeah, I mean. You know, make no mistake about it. If the teams were totally healthy, I'd, I would take Portland 10 times out of 10 uh, just from what I've seen in previous years. And in this year, I think top to bottom, we're a more talented team, but they're the more healthy yeah, team. It, it, there's a lot of talent chilling on the bench right now because they're injured. Um, Gobert is playing really well as of recently. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is taking over the playmaking duties of this team um jordan clarkson coming off the bench has made that second unit really scary joe ingles has upped his play i believe he killed it against us uh the last time we played uh he did yeah absolutely did yep because i remember him talking shit um bodanovich right that's a bogon bodanovich is like the most scoring dependent player i've ever seen there's games where he goes like eight for eight and zero rebounds, zero assists. So I don't know, man. Like this, this team's good. But if we were healthy, I'd feel pretty damn good about it myself. I, it, where's this game taking place? Are Utah on a back to back as well? No, they play in Denver on Thursday. So they they actually have a lot of a lot of games. So they are hosting the the Houston Rockets. Right now, as we were recording on Monday, Wednesday night, they go to San Antonio. Thursday night, they go to Denver. Saturday night, they come to Portland. So it is a three-game and, and four-night stretch, even though it is not a back-to-back. But that's a rough That's a rough road trip. Incredibly rough. Mm-hmm. Man. Let me look one stat up before I make my prediction. Oh, man. It's in Portland, which makes me like it more. Does I think it's the the matchup is going to be Dame versus Devon, Donovan Mitchell, and I'm going to go Blazers victory. Yeah, he, hey man, you could you 
I'm a better Blazers fan than you if you go, Jeff. Oh, <laughs> get out of here. No, but like I think the, that I'm gonna in the battle of playmaker. I'm gonna take Dame Lillard over Donovan Mitchell. If we were healthy, I would take the Blazers. I I really don't like the fact that we have to play in LA the night before. That's just a lot of emotion. I think we might come out flat. But it's Dame versus one of the people that idolizes him. He's going to want to slap that shit not, out of him. It's not just, just Dame versus Donovan. Like We don't have... I think Nurk versus Gobert is a better matchup for us. Hassan looked horrible, but I think he remembers that he looked horrible against Gobert. Yeah. I'll I'll say, so the only reason I'm going to pick Utah... Is because they're healthy? One, they're healthy, but when I'm looking at this slate of games, Houston at the Lakers, Utah on a back-to-back, for me picking two out of three games as a win... I haven't seen enough consistency from this Blazers team to beat plus 500 teams. Um, the Pacers win was nice, but again, they were without three key pieces. And we do struggle to beat pretty bad teams even at home. Uh, I would love to be wrong. I will be in attendance for both Houston and Utah games. But uh, unfortunately, I do have Utah winning. I do think it'll be close. And again, I hope I'm wrong and your lead it increases on me, Sage. But uh, real quick before we, we sign got off. fan questions. Dribble pass shoot. Damian Lillard is a lock to make the All Star reserves on Thursday. Yeah, I mean, are you? Is are people questioning that? I I don't know. I'm just making sure that we're on the same page. Yes, I would be flabbergasted if we have to not, you know, have one All Star. The way he's playing right now, too. Yeah, damn. Dribble pass shoot, Damian Lillard should be on the first team all NBA, regardless of position. If he continues to play at not this level, but a career level. Who votes on all NBA? No, this is just this oh. is just you. Yeah. Can I have three guards and two forwards? Or you can have whatever you want. You can have the best five players you oh, want. Oh, okay. Because I think Luca's going to be on it. I think James Harden will probably be on it. I would say Dame's the third best guard in the NBA right now, best currently. But mm-hmm. if so, if I can have three guards, I'd probably put Dame and then LeBron and Giannis. I don't know. It's it's going to be hard for Kawhi and Dame. But if it was me, I'd fuck it. Yeah, sure. I think he's deserving of it. Uh, you see a guy who plays every single night, in some cases a ton of minutes. I, I think you see a player who is doing all that he can for his team. I think team records, unfortunately, are going to play a factor, but I I just don't think he should be penalized for it because of it has been injuries. And I think Luca's been fantastic. I think the league will be his. I'm not ready to to crown him just yet. I I think he's as fantastic as he is now. I think we're looking at it through him doing it as a 20-year-old rather than comparing it across other peers. And he has had the the benefit of playing with a a pretty healthy roster. And, you know, they're a good story in the NBA. They're probably going to be the fifth or sixth seed. But... For me, what I've seen Dame do, I've only seen a handful of other players do. And he he's just special. So to me, he's he's first team all NBA, and I think he deserves it. But you said we have some fan questions, so let's get to those. Do you have it? Or do you want me to look it up? I don't have any. Okay. I do. Uh Rose City Rocker. Passing looked much better last night. Who do you think who do you think are the best passers on the Blazers right now? And bonus question, who is the best passing Blazer of all time in your opinion? Do you like my Ooh, Do you like my yeah. reading voice? I do. Uh, <laughs> the best passer uh, I think is is hands down Damian Lillard. I think a sneaky second best is uh Yusuf Nurkic. I would say of all time, I mean, you can look at 
that I think that's the probably the biggest up for debate one. Uh, Clyde Drexler was a fantastic passer for a player of his size and stature. Regularly got seven to eight assists per game. Uh, you look at Arbita Sabonis. That's one a good one. Argu- arguably the best passing big man of all time. You look at Bill Walton. Um, Jesus. I mean, working the offense through the high post. You look at Maurice Lucas with his outlet passes. Uh, Rod Strickland leads the Blazers in assists per game for a single season. Uh, Terry Porter was a fantastic passer. Uh, I, I don't... I couldn't give you just one, um, and, and I'll tell you why. Because Bill and Sabas were so incredible, especially at their heights. But both of their careers were not were not at their peaks for a long period of time in Portland. Bill, we only got a couple of years. Sabonis came after uh, his knees were basically gone, and so so that's where where it's hard for me. And then. We just have had a lot of great passers. Yeah, we really have, man. So to me, that's 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 a fantastic question and one I would have to really do a lot of thinking about. But you know, it might even be be Clyde. Like I, I saw him. He dropped some. Fu- dot, so yeah, he dropped dimes, man. He dotted a lot of passes, especially in transition. Uh, he's super unselfish and in a crowded paint because you and got you got to think like Bill. And Clyde and Sabonis, that's a different brand of bats. Could you imagine what Bill would be if he was healthy in this pace and space basketball? Like he would get 10 assists a game because of how he was built and how he wanted to get everybody involved. So it's the eras too. And like Dame gets the advantage of the whole court being spread and he could find the dots. Bill Walton and Clyde forced those dot passes to happen. What's your answer to at least the first part of that question, Sage? Oh, Dame. I mean, shit, like, we yeah. don't pass. We we don't pass well. Like, Car- Carmelo Anthony's in the 10th percentile in passing right now. We don't have good passers. The fact that I'm flabbergasted that Hassan Whiteside gets assists in a game is pretty insane because when he was in Miami, you could say, I think Hassan Whiteside gets five pa- assists in the month. So, like, we're yeah. not dealing with great passers. There's no Chris Paul on this roster. So, Dame, obviously, is it by default. We did pass a lot better in the, the last few games, but man, like this isn't this isn't the uh, Phoenix Suns, you know, pa- space and pace passing team. This is a this is a team that would love some extra passers. Was that it, my man? Uh, uh, Dana Ramoni, mm-hmm. is that how you pronounce it? I'm sorry if I pronounce your name wrong. I suck at reading and I'm dyslexic. With the news of Nurk going through full practices, what do you think his role will be when he comes back? Do the Blazers trade Hassan Whiteside and Nurk starts? Or Hassan stays and Nurk comes off the bench? Your thoughts. And thank you for the question. So I think we discussed Hassan Whiteside and what could happen in either scenario uh, pretty in-depth early on in the podcast in terms of Nurk's role, I I would say it should be that he comes off the bench. I think his minutes should be capped um, and then slowly increased with, you know, more endurance, more familiarity, and most importantly, trust and trust with his body that he Mm -hmm. is able to go out there and play a hundred percent and just, just play and feel the game rather than thinking always wondering, oh, did I land wrong or, or what? And so and that's going to take time. And so you want him to be able to do that really on his own. They have to keep, they have to treat him with kid gloves. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I would say. There. So like when he comes back, expect him to play five minutes, then rest, then five minutes to like, you know, if he comes off the bench, he plays five minutes. Hassan comes back. He starts the second half. Hassan starts, he plays five minutes, and then Hassan comes back. Don't expect him to play 30 minutes, because he didn't play 30 minutes when he was healthy. So it's going to be very short burst. So imagine like five-minute rotations, and if he shows that he can handle it and doesn't show fatigue, he cu- he'll get more. But until the doctors say it, the, the training staff, the coaches, all those people, you're not going to see him for many minutes, just because it's not a... We've invested... 48 million dollars in to Nurkic 
you got to treat them yep. with kids' gloves, and it's 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 about the future, not now. All right, Sage. I think that that wraps this bad boy up. Do you want to bring us home? Yeah, man. So you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Himalaya Podcasts, um, Dash Radio, Nothing But Net Radio, Tuesdays 2 to 3 on uh, Nothing But Net Radio. And enjoy the basketball games. We're playing well, and we will be back next week. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's-